So we had a little glitch last week, but if I haven't met you yet, my name is Jonathan Hupp, and I get to serve as pastor here at Bluemont, and I am really expectant about uh, today and the season. I, I echo what Susanna said about just the sense that many of us have had in our hearts, growing in our hearts, that God is doing something new, doing something different. We're actually kicking off a series today, a message series called Different, looking at how God does different, what the life God calls us to, how the life God calls us to is different than our culture, and it's different than the life you were living yesterday. No matter where you're at today, God is leading you into something different and more. And there's just, man, it's, that's really um, something we can step into, but a bit more than that, it's something God invites us into and empowers us for. And so... I'm excited to just jump into this, this series and excited to jump into the, continue to jump into the fall. We're this summer, about a month ago, my family was on a little family vacation. We went up to Michigan. And on our way back, we were driving through Illinois and we drove through the world famous city of Normal, Illinois. And yeah, I get some chuckles because that's what, every time I see the word normal on a sign, it just kind of laugh like, what were they thinking? Why would you name your town Normal? And I actually looked it up. The reason, it's not as, there is a reason. It sort of made sense at the time. But every time I've met someone, I, I knew a, a, a guy, I've known a couple people from Normal. And actually, I was driving with my son, and he's, he goes to Iowa State. He's like, yeah, I've got a friend from Normal. And every time it comes up where he's from, he sort of apologizes for it. He's embarrassed about being from Normal, Illinois. Because it's like, why would, nobody wants to live just a normal life. And it was kind of like being from Manhattan or, you know, like I'm from Mayetta, Kansas, even really small. There's, there's this sense of like, oh, man, is that, is there anything, I want something unique. And sometimes our places of origin may not feel that way. And, you know, that is, uh, you know, I just was thinking about that. If I, was the, if I wanted to, to run for office for mayor in normal, I think I'd be guaranteed to win if I just, my campaign platform was to change the name to something snazzier. Like, I'm sure I'd get the under 40 vote on this platform. Um, so someone should, should do that. But, you know, it's interesting that we don't, we don't want just a normal life, but we find ourselves being pulled into the lifestyle and norms of the people around us and the culture around us. And it's just... There's this, this powerful force that just kind of normalize us. And it's funny how even the things that we do to try to be different, oftentimes, like I remember when getting a tattoo made you different. But now it's like, oh, well, everybody's got a tattoo. I've never, you know, blue hair, you'd think, no, that doesn't do it either. I mean, it's just, <laughs> it's like your high school guidance counselor had a piercing in her chin and tats all over her arms. I mean, it's just like the stuff that, it was supposed to make you different is just like that doesn't it doesn't really do it and really it doesn't get to the essence of what we're looking for anyway um but god has called us to a life that is definitely not normal definitely different from our old life different from our current life and different from the culture around us it goes against the grain of our culture um but there's stuff in us that you know, we're, we're a lot of, we're, we like what's familiar. I, I was part of one conversation this week, and I heard of two others where the same storyline happened, 
and it was a conversation with someone who was, new, well, he was looking for a church or a campus ministry, in two out of three situations, they were new to Manhattan, and the conversation went like this, basically, what I'm looking for is something that is the same as what I just came from. And so I'm not sure about this option because it's different than what I'm used to. And I was thinking about that. It's like there are some things that you know, should be like the foundations, non-negotiable. If you're a Christian, like you know, believe Jesus is God, Jesus is Lord, the Bible is God's word. There are certain things, you know, that should be really core value, core belief, essential to us. But then there are a lot of things that change. And our sense of looking for something that is the same as what we're used to can keep us from what God is actually leading us into. I, I've seen that from people who leave Bluemont and go to the next place. So they're like, man, I just, I can't find a place like Bluemont out there. And we're like, well, you, no, you shouldn't, actually. I mean, there are some things that should be the same. But it's going to look different. Where God, what God has for you, where he places you, it's going to be different. And so the question for us is, are we willing to, and able to come into the different that God has for us? I know that's the story of my life. This week I was with a, a guy who's in his 70s who knew me when I was 15. And I took it as a real compliment. Because the middle, he was working on our ministry house, which we're going to look at. He was from the finishing touches. He's a woodworker. And he said, Jonathan, you're different. I remember when you were 15 and you went on that trip to Colorado with a, he actually worked with the youth in my church in Topeka when I was a kid. And he was like, I remember you went on this trip and my daughter, who was the same age as me, came back and we were talking. She's like, Jonathan, like he, what was he like? Well, I don't know. He never talked. <laughs> he's just so, so quiet. I have no idea what he's like. He's so quiet, it's really uncomfortable. It's really <laughs> awkward. <laughs> and... Lonnie's like, hey, now you're talking. Like, this is, and I talked to people who knew me in high school, and they find, you know, and they learn what I do with, with, as a living, and they're like, don't you have to talk to do that? Like, <laughs> how does this work? But I am so thankful that, you know, really for me, there were major inhibitions and fears, and I was just, I was bound up on the inside with just, it was so difficult for me to get out there with people. And following Jesus and having him come into my life more fully and empower me, and change me, and be a, become, as I grew as a disciple of him, I have been different. And I've found that like almost everything in my life that he's led me into is different than what I expected. You know, I remember I had a, I had a certain image in my mind, those of you who are single, you maybe relate to this, like I had an image in my mind of the person who I want to marry, she's like this. And the person who I ended up marrying, like one of the, about the best thing that ever happened to me, I almost didn't realize that I should, that she could be the one because she was so different from the image that I had of who I was going to marry. And that's just so many things. I could, my life he's led me into, of like becoming a campus minister and moving five times between different, five different cities in five years. It was like, okay, I didn't, I didn't write that up and starting a church and the whole journey. It was very different than what I'd expect, but God is, is in the business of, of leading us into what's different. So today we're going to look at a story of two men who were different than their group. Yeah, like that? Come on, Jesse. Someone's excited. Yeah, two men. Me and you, and a bunch of us. That's right. That's right. Come on. 
I was thinking we were the same, but you pointed out the differences. Yeah, it's all right. They, these were guys who had optimism and hope and confidence in a situation that was very daunting, so much so that nobody else in, in, their, in their nation had any hope. And eventually, these two guys experienced the joy of being in the middle of what God was doing in the world, when no one else in their generation did. Um, so we're, as we look at the story, we're, we're out, look at these, uh, the questions, or look at these, I've got three questions. What does it look like for a person to be different? What does it look like for a person to be different? Where does that difference come from? And then how can you become different? What does it look like for a person to be different? Where does that difference come from? And how can you become different? So the story, you may have guessed, some of you, but it's Numbers 13. It's the story of when people of Israel, had, God had brought them out of slavery in Egypt, and they were on their way to the promised land that God had promised to give them. And they'd spent two years in the desert, walking around, and God was teaching them and training them, doing a lot of miracles in their midst. And they were now at the edge of the promised land, and God was ready to lead them into this land that was their inheritance. It was a, a great place, a, glor- a land flowing with milk and honey, as God said about it, and it was a place that was going to be theirs and where he was going to establish them and give them their own nation, their own land, and plant them in it. So we'll just start reading here. Uh, we're going to skip around. I'm not gonna read, we're going to read a lot of chapter 13, a little bit of chapter 14, but I'm going to skip some of it, get the gist. But as we're reading this, I'm kinda look, we're going to want to look at like what's different and what is not different. Okay, so verse 1. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan which I am giving to the people of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers, you shall send a man, every one a chief among them. So this was their invitation to come into something different, come into the land that God had for them. Verse 3, So Moses sent them from the wilderness of Paran, according to the command of the Lord, all of them heads, all of them men who were heads of the people of Israel. And these were their names, from the tribe of Reuben, Shemua the son of Zachar, from the tribe of Simeon, Shaphat the son of Horai. And it goes on and it lists, there are 12 tribes of Israel, and it lists the man who was chosen to be their representative, like their, their best and their brightest leader to go as part of the, the spying expedition. And what we're going to see is that 10 of them failed to do well in this endeavor, and two of them did well. And, um, but all of them, it's interesting that all of these 12 were chosen. They were supposed to be the ones, they were the ones ex- that had the highest expectation of doing well. They were leaders in their tribe. They were, a leader in, they were the leader in their tribe who was chosen. And so that's who the people around them selected as, hey, we think this is the one who's best equipped the situation. These people had the approval of others. They had the respect of others. And so the first thing I want to say is that having the approval of others is not different. It's possible to have the approval of your whole culture, but just maybe that's because you're the same as them, not because you got what it takes to be different. So having others' approval is not different, and also having a position is not different. 
Now, you may know people who, like, who collect positions, who sign up for all, every club and organization, and there's, and always, you know, advance and get positions, and there's a difference between a position of leadership and leadership. And so these guys all had a position, but they were not different. So having others' approval is not different. Having a position is not different. You know, maybe they were there because of their wealth. Maybe they were there because of their family. Maybe they were there because of physical characteristics or age. They just, you know, they had seniority. Um, whatever it was, they, they were chosen for certain things, but the Bible is clear that God doesn't look at the things that people look at, but God looks at the heart. And their hearts were not different. In the, in, they didn't have the difference God was looking for. So um, they go out. We're going to skip ahead. They, they, uh, they check out the land. Come back in verse 17. It says, Moses sent them out to spy out the land of Canaan and said to them, Go out, go up into the Negev and go up into the hill country and see what the land is and whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak, whether they are few or many, and whether the land that they dwell in is good or bad, and whether the cities that they dwell in are camps or strongholds, and whether the land is rich or poor, and whether there are trees in it or not. So he's giving them the instructions of what they're to look for. But catch this, be of good courage and bring some of the fruit of the land. Be of good courage. Courage is different. How many of you know that? Courage is not readily available out there. There's not an overabundance of courage. The price of courage is never going to be low because there's so much of it. It's like, oh yeah, we don't really value that anymore. No. Courage is different. Courage is, is always different from the norm. And Moses said, hey, the thing that you most need to do to accomplish this mission that I'm giving you, that God has given you, is to be of good courage. So if we're going to walk into the different that God has for us, it's going to involve courage of getting beyond ourselves. I remember my freshman year of college, some of you were freshmen, and I was Mr. Quiet. And I came to college, and by the grace of God, I, I, I had something in me. You know, I wanted to make a difference, and I was taking some steps. And then I experienced more of of God's power and God's spirit in my life. And I began, to, I began to have more courage. And then I remember one day, the, this new campus ministry I was part of, they would go out on the middle of campus and just preach to people. Like the, the pastor and the campus minister, they would just go out and start talking to people. And they were really good at it. And there'd be mocking and there'd be heckling and interaction. And it was like, wow, this is... So I saw that happen once, I think. And then the second time, I said, hey, you want to come with us? I was like, sure, I'll come. And we get up there, and then on the way, they're like, hey, Jonathan, I think you should speak today. I'm like, Mr. Quiet? Like, what are you talking about? Like, this is, you didn't, this was false advertising. You didn't tell me that on the front end. And, but I was like, you know, something was just starting to rise up within me. And I was like, okay, I'll, 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 I'll say something. And we get up there, and I was like, okay, oh, man, this is like taking, I don't know, but I, at least they're going to go and set the stage and talk to people, and then they'll bring me up, and I can say something and sit back down. And we get up there, and they're like, okay, Jonathan, you go. You start it off. I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, what am I going to, ah, man, that's like even ten times scarier to be the first one to just like start talking in this group of people. But 
I just sort of kind of like pushed me and I like stepped up and I got on this little planner and I said, hello everybody. <laughs> <laughs> and I had said something about God. I, it wasn't very much and it wasn't very good. And honestly, people weren't even looking at me. All right. It was like, but I remember that afterwards, I remember the guy who took me up. He's like, hey, Jonathan, like, you're different. You're going to be different now. Like, people are going to see you, and they're going to know, like, you took a stand. And they're going to know you identify as a follower of Jesus. And something changed. Like, there was a, something was happening on the inside of me, and courage was growing. So that's essential. Um, skip ahead to verse 25. At the end of 40 days, this group returned from spying out the land, and they came to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the people of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told them, We came to the land to which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. However, the people who dwell in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. And besides... We saw the descendants of Anak there. And they would have known Anak was a giant who was understood to be a descendant of the gods who'd come down and had, and had a human, half-human child. And then this was the line of those descendants who were giants. So we saw these evil, spiritual, human race of giants that were there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the Negev. The Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the hill country. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the Jordan. So, yeah, it's a nice land, but it's kind of occupied. There's, there's, this is giving me anxiety, the thought about going into this land. And so the next thing that we see is that anxiety is not different. They have the same response that probably most of us would have naturally had. That, hey, like, this situation is stressing me out. It's, as we like to say today, this is giving me anxiety. And they were expressing the anxiety that was on the inside of them. But there was a different response. In verse, verse 30, it says, But Caleb, he was the leader chosen from the tribe of Judah, he's about 40 years old, he quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome it. Then the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we are. So they brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land that they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone to spy it out is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people that we saw in it are of great height. And there we saw the Nephilim. Here we are again, these, these races of, of people descended from the gods the sons of Anak, who came from the Nephilim. And we seemed to ourselves like grasshoppers, and so we seemed to them. So, Caleb had a different response, right? Like, everyone, the other ten, we, we see later that Joshua seemed to be following Caleb's lead as well. But the other ten did not have confidence, but confidence is different. Being able to look at a daunting, impossible situation and say, you know what? This is too much for me. But 
God is able, God is able to give us a victory here. God is able to lead us into this situation. It seems impossible, it seems overwhelming. That sort of confidence is not normal. That sort of confidence is different. And that's what the way God wants us to live. He wants us to have the same spirit, the same attitude as Caleb. Verse uh, chapter 14, Then all the congregation raised a loud cry, and all the people wept that night. Man, that sounds like a, not a fun sound. Imagine a couple million people crying all night. And all the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The whole congregation said to them, would that we had died in the land of Egypt. This kind of reminds me, you know, I've always I've been around the first week of college for a while, and I love how everyone's happy. <laughs> and it's like, yay, New Year! This is great, it's going to be awesome, and new free stuff, and I'm enjoying new groups. And then like week two, it's like, a hush falls upon the campus. <laughs> And then, like, ten weeks in, it's like, we're going to die! Returns. You know, it's, it's kind of like that. Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become a prey. Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to one another, let us choose a leader and go back to Egypt. So, pessimism is not different. Complaining is not different. Grumbling is not different. Being overwhelmed and pessimistic about our outcome or our situation. That's not different. That's very normal. Maybe not quite so normal this past week on campus, but that's the norm of the world. All right? And that's what we tend to find ourselves pulled into. Pessimism is not different. Um, but as we said earlier, confidence. The confidence Caleb had is different. So, um, so God is not happy people. He's not, he's, he's like, man, what do I have to do? I showed you so much. Like, I promise you this land, all you gotta do is believe me, but you're not doing it. So he actually wants to, like, wipe them all out, except for Moses and Caleb and Joshua. There's a conversation. Moses prays for them, and we come to verse, verse 21. God's speaking. But truly, let's show that next slide. So, there we go. Oh, verse 21, do we have that? Oh, good, okay. That's what I thought. Starting in verse 20. Then the Lord said, I have pardoned according to your word. But truly as I live, and as all the, as truly as I live, and as all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord, None of the men who have seen my glory and my signs that I did in Egypt and in the wilderness, and yet have put me to the test these ten times and have not obeyed my voice, none of them shall see the land that I swore to give to their fathers. Wow. So being normal is not really okay. Right? Being normal, like, that was the norm. But that whole generation missed out. All of them died in the desert because they were normal. Because there was not a difference about them. They missed out on what God had for them, and there's a lot of misery involved in the process. So being normal, is, there are, it's, not, it's not okay. And none of those who despise me shall see it. But my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit 
because he has a different spirit and has followed me fully, I will bring him into the land into which he went, and his descendants shall possess it. Wow. So Caleb, and we, later we find out Joshua is included in that too, but Caleb, God says, hey, he had a different spirit. And I want to just really zero in on this this morning, that the difference that makes one different in the way that matters is a spirit. He didn't say he had a different anything else. He has a different spirit. And, okay, that sounds like, you know, rah-rah, I got spirit, you know, <laughs> school spirit, like, what's he talking about here? But the, in the biblical worldview, from the very beginning of the creation story, there is this understanding that what animates a person is their spirit. And that when God made the first man, he made him out of dust, and it says God breathed into him, and he became a living spirit, a living being. It's the breath of God. The ruah is the Hebrew word. It can be translated breath or spirit. It's the breath of God in a person that is, the, is designed to be the animating spirit that empowers us. And so a lot of our problem is we're not living from that place, but from something different. We've got a couple of pictures here to help um, point this out. Those of you who have done our, our Kingdom Living books, our, kind of our discipleship curriculum, this is, you'll recognize this from Kingdom Living too, but this is how God made people to be. And this is not a perfect picture, but it does a really good job of describing how God made us. God made us to be, at the core, a spirit, which is united with God's spirit. And that's the life that is within us, that comes from God. It's the animating force. It's the li very life that, that gives us the energy and the life and is designed to lead our whole life. We also have a soul. And a soul we could see as being made up of our, our mind, our thoughts, our emotions, our heart, our feelings, and our will, our decisions. And all of that, this is all good in the way God made us. Now, mind is good, emotions are good, decision making is good the way God made it to be. But it's supposed, and then we have a body, which is also an essential part of what it means to be human, which we'll have, those of us um, who believe in Jesus, will have for eternity. And a body is our physical frame. And all these things are interconnected. Um, but what the, the point of this is that our spirit is designed to be the thing that governs our life and leads our life. But when we sinned, we were corrupted and broken. And we look like this now. We become spiritually dead. We could say that our, our spirits are, are dead. And our soul, show that picture, show that again, yeah. Like, where'd it go? Who's there? All right. Our mind and our will and our emotions take the driver's seat. And that becomes what governs. And, our, and it's connected with our, really our, our bodies also. It's what the Bible calls the flesh. It's all that together is our soul and our bodies that are now damaged by sin, now desire to live selfishly instead of to honor God and love God. And our thought processes become, not only, it's not just that they're, they're dominant, and they're also not healthy. 
So we have thought processes, we have emotions, we have habits that we develop, that come to us naturally as a result of, of our propensity to sin that we all inherit. And then it gets more entrenched. And so if we try to have, to be different, but we're trying to be different from our soul, it's not going to take us very far. It can, you can see, you know, a little bit of things change somewhat. But it's not going to be what God is talking about here that, hey, I'm looking for people with a different spirit. I'm looking for people that something is different on the inside of them. But the very core, and that's what's leading and governing their life. And so what happens when someone puts their faith in Jesus, they're born again. We got a third picture here. Yeah, your spirit is renewed. And it's... The Bible says we're now the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We are a new creation. We're resurrected with Christ. That is, there's a spiritual resurrection that happens on the inside of a person when they believe in Jesus. And what's really crazy is that when the Bible talks about, when it uses the word spirit, you can't even, the, you can't tell if it's little s, spirit, or big s, Holy Spirit, or God's spirit, because when someone believes in Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of us. And our spirit is like married, it's united with God's spirit. There's a oneness that happens. And I'm not saying, you know, that we're God, don't get me wrong, but it's, it's almost sounds, when you, when you understand this and you're reading the Bible, you're like, wow, this is just, almost would sound heretical, like it's so amazing. That that's what it is to be a Christian. It's not just like I'm trying harder, or I'm being moral, I'm doing these things, but no. The very spirit of the living God comes and lives inside of us and then renews, resurrects our spirit. And they, like now at our deepest core, we want to please God. We want to be courageous. We want to be part of his purpose. We want to live for him. And there is something there that is a power to do that. That is our true spirit united with God's spirit. That's, you know, no, nothing else can do this. All right, no, like, no self-help, no other, like, trying to change without the miracle of God coming in us can do this. And so there's a different spirit that God gives us. Um, so the, then the goal becomes, if you see, like, Emma, I like you. This is great. Go back to that last slide. There you go. Um, <laughs> So then there's this process. The problem, though, is that we still have a soul that is really strong and stubborn and entrenched and set in its ways, and it has not been transformed yet. There's a process that begins at the point of believing in Jesus. There's a process of transformation that begins. But God's goal is that from his spirit and our spirit to work from the inside out and then transform our thoughts, renew our minds. Transform our emotions. Change our decisions. Lead our will. And then even ramifications in our physical body. To where, and this is a process that for a disciple of Jesus is a lifetime of transformation. That we go from different to different to different to different to different to becoming more and more who God made us to be. And, and then ultimately when at the, the final resurrection, all of this is going to be made like it was originally and renewed and restored, but even better because of the way God's worked in us and in his, his, his beautiful way.
in, in history, in our lives. So, but it's, this is the process that God has for us, of becoming different. And so, how does that happen? How do you, like, I, if you want this to happen in your life, how, how does that happen? Well, how do, you, how do you live with a different spirit and from a different spirit? And there's so much. I mean, really, all we do is, 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 is talking about this and living this out. But I just want to give, like, kind of two basic things. Okay, this is just to hang your hat on. Okay, if to live this, to, to experience this, this is how I do it. The first thing, to have a different spirit is you receive it. It's something you receive, not something you construct by yourself, but it's something God gives and we receive. In 1 Corinthians 2.12, the Apostle Paul writes and he says, Now we have received, not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. Now we have received, not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God. When a person turns from being the God of their own life and whatever other gods we were following and turns to, repents from that and turns to Jesus, turns from sin and turns to God and puts, if we put, when we put our faith in Jesus as Savior and Lord, a miracle happens and he gives us a new spirit and we receive that spirit. And something happens in the beginning. And so that's, that's uh, you know, what we come into. Now it's something we can keep receiving more and more. There's the Bible talks about being filled with the Holy Spirit. Being baptized with the Spirit. It's, we receive it when we're born again, but people ask, well, do you believe in a second experience with, of, with the Holy Spirit coming into your life? And I say, yes, and I believe in a... 90th experience, and 100th experience, and 150th experience, because Ephesians 5 tells us, be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. So, like, continue to ask, like, for more of His Spirit to come and fill us, and receive it. And as we, as we ask Him, we receive, and He fills us. I, we have, how much of God's Spirit do you have in you right now? It's exactly as much as you want. How much do I have? It's exactly as much as I want. The hungrier we are, the more we ask to be filled, the more we desire his spirit, the more he fills us. So to have a different spirit, we ask and we receive. And then the second thing that has to happen for us to live out this, this different spirit is that different spirit is, has to be released. We have to release it. So we you know, go back to that picture where there's a spirit, but there was this soul that was pretty crusty and cruddy around it. So there's this, this battle going on between our sinful and habitual self. And there's a process of transformation by which the soul is transformed and softens. And that God's spirit and our different spirit comes out more fully. In Romans 8, 13 and 14. Again, Paul writes, he says, So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. Remember, that's the fallen soul and body. For if you live according to the flesh, you will all die. You will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Okay, so there's that God's Spirit putting to death 
And again, it's like, we don't even know, like, is that should be big S or little s. But by the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of the body. So there's, from the Spirit, governing us more and more, putting to death the deeds of our body and our flesh that are not consistent with God's Word. As we choose to obey Him and follow Him and change our, our minds and our habits, we come into more life. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. All who are led by the Spirit of God. All who let God's Spirit in them lead them. That's what it really looks like to be a son or a daughter of God. Um, we used to, there's a, some of us, my friends, talking about this, came up with the saying, it's, it, we call it cracking your soul. <laughs> it's like, it's kind of like cracking your skull, but it's your soul. Like, you, we have souls that are resistant to what God wants to do in our life. And that has to be cracked for the spirit to be released more and more. And sometimes it's just like, you know, you say, God, I'm hungry for you. And it's kind of like that opens up this, like, this little crack in our soul. And then a, like a root of a seed gets in there and it starts to grow. And it like breaks it open more and more. So maybe you're just reading the Bible. And you say, oh man, that's, that's different than how I think. That's different than how I live. But God, that's, this is what your word says. It's true. Okay, I'm going to change my beliefs right now. Soul is being cracked. Soul is being transformed. Sometimes it's your friend saying, you're an idiot. Why do you keep doing that? God's got something better for you. And you're like, thank you. I needed that. Good skull cracking. Soul cracking, sorry. Not skull cracking. <laughs> sorry, didn't mean that. No skull, don't crack anybody's skulls, all right? Not take away from today. But good soul cracking happens as we enter into that process. That's really what the process of discipleship is all about. It's letting God's word crack our skulls and re renew us and change us and come in to what he has for us. Um, yeah. So, I, man, that's what God has for you. I, you know, it's like God has got the life that's a different life. The ability to be someone like Caleb. It's like, hey, people would see and God would see. That person has a different spirit. And so the question is, is do you want that? And first of all, have you received that different spirit? Have you turned from your sin and turned to Jesus and put your faith in him and received the spirit that he wants to give you? If you haven't, and that can happen today, where you turn from your sin and turn to Jesus, and he gives you the miracle of a, a new spirit. And it's something we can keep coming into more and more of having his spirit in us. As we say, God, I need more of you. I've been kind of content, but Lord, I want more of your spirit within me. God, give me more. Give me more. I, I need to pray more. I, I need more of you, God. Come into me more and more. And so, and then, you know, it's one, after that happens, it's are you in the process of letting God's spirit crack your soul? Are you in that discipleship process? You're saying, okay, I want to change. I want to be different. I want to be in this process day after day after day after day. And I'm going to pray. I'm going to read the Bible. I'm going to study God's word and apply it to my life. And I'm going to get people in my life that 
are in this process too, and it's like a team, and we're pushing each other on, and there's a, I've got a coach or two in my life, and they're helping me to be in this transformation process. That's what God has called every one of us to be part of so that we can have a different spirit and live a different life. And, you know, really, that's, that's what our community is all about, is being that kind of people. Is by the grace of God, we've received a different spirit, and we're in that process of transformation, and we're in that process with one another, where we got people that are helping us and encouraging us and teaching us and challenging us and lovingly, but helping us in that process. And so, I, you know, I, I do have that sort of optimism. I don't think it's just, just like, oh, New Year, first week, but I really do believe that God is calling each one of you into a new land, into a new place from where you're at right now. That there's a just divine opportunity to become that person that God has made you to be and that you really yearn to be. Not normal Illinois, but man, that, that full me, that full life that you have, that, that God in, intends for you. And so we, you know, that's what we're here for. If that's your heart, and there are other churches that have that heart too, thank God. But that's what we're all about, is helping people in that process. And so if you want to be part of that, you know, I would encourage you to fill out a Connect card. Write down what you want. Um, if you want to be part of a community group, let us know. It's going to be amazing environments for that. Our campus meeting for college students is going to be an amazing way to move forward into that as well. And so God is leading us into, diff in, into this more and more. And there's something different he's doing. There's, I mean, we live in a world right now that is not optimistic, not confident. And, you know, I'm not saying be, like, don't be a realist about the real enemies and dangers and brokenness of the world. But God is raising up people who have a different spirit, and that's who he's called us to be, too. So I just want to pray for us, and as I do that, the worship team's going to come up, and we're going to worship with one more song. But God, thank you, Lord. Thank you. And God, I just pray right now that you would pour out your spirit upon this group of people. Pour out your spirit upon this room, even right now. Lord, is to the degree that we're saying, God, I want more of you. God, give us more of you. Give us more of your spirit. And God, by your spirit, lead us into that process that you have for us. And we thank you. We trust you. We worship you. You're so good. Amen. Amen. You can go ahead and stand up. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna end on on a song um, before we go out. Uh, the song's called Joy, and man, as as like God transforms.